0: create innovate collaborate
1: a big welcome to beyond ideas and today we are going beyond education and i want to explore the future of education by asking a question whether a 100 year old education philosophy and system could be the future of education with me in the studio is Dimitri Nikolau, founder and director of the Central Coast Montessori
0: Primary School. Dimitri, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brad. It's, it's actually really, really exciting to be here, and thank you for, for the intro and, and the term of being a founder, but a lot of people went into creating this school, so thank you.
1: Yeah, you know, I had, had to have you on the show, Dimitri, because the future of education is, is such an important topic. You, you look at the amount of disruption that's headed our way, AI, machine automation, robotics, blockchain, cryptocurrencies. The world is going to look completely different for kids who are about to go to school right now or or starting school in the next few years. Yet our current education system is just not equipping our kids with the skills they need to succeed in that world. And and, and I'd like to get into some of that with you in just a moment. But before I do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to to becoming the director of two Montessori schools? Sure.
0: Montessori wasn't I suppose initially something that was on my radar. I kind of, I, well, yeah. I, I, I say to people that I fell into it, but I believe that there, was, there is a purpose to everything. The, the key for me in terms of becoming a Montessori director was actually watching a, a Montessori principal. Um, I had the opportunity of watching her closely interact with her children and it just stuck with me. The, I, the feeling I remember very, very clearly was she knew something there was something about children that she understood and that she knew and it came out in the way that she related to them and I knew at that moment that I wanted to know what she knew. So, um, so the, the path began there and it was, it was a, I was very, very fortunate to be able to explore Montessori pedagogy um, yeah. in, in Europe so, and explore it over three years and really immerse myself in a training centre that was very, very close to the source.
1: Now, the Montessori system I mean, came out of the slums of Italy over 100 years ago, but but yet as we move into the next 30 years of mass disruption and uncertainty, it's more relevant than it's ever been. Can you tell us a little bit more about the
0: Montessori style of education? What I love about, personally, what I love about Montessori is is day in and day out, children are given the opportunity to be themselves. There's a book that was written um, called Children on the Hill, and And one of the comments that I'll never forget that occurred in that book was that the children that this journalist went in to observe were self-possessed. I truly believe that children in a Montessori environment have the capacity to be self-possessed. What does that mean? Essentially, they are intrinsically self-guided. So what a Montessori environment for me actually offers, not only what it offers, but it is essentially a microcosm of the world. It is mixed ages, mixed sexes. The freedom to make choices, the freedom to follow your own journey, and then to be faced with natural consequences to the choices that you make in a safe environment where there are limits, boundaries, and an expectation of reverence, of respect, and a culture of of love, compassion, empathy. Thomas Edison was
1: a huge fan. Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Will Wright, the creator of The Sims. Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikipedia. Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the co-founders of Google. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you can add to that the, Anne you know, Frank. Anne Frank, the, the Royals. Helen Keller. <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and on. And it was actually Larry Page who said, I think it was part of that training of not following the rules and orders and being self-motivated, questioning what's going on in the world and doing things a little different that ultimately led to my success. I mean, you can't help but sit up and take notice that there has to be something in this style of education. What is it, you think, with this style of education that lends itself to being such a breeding ground for innovators? Look,
0: Brad, Einstein once said, um, I don't teach my pupils, I just create an environment in which they can learn. Change, growth was was part of life, you know, to renew, to, to develop. She created an environment where that was... The basic, basic ethos was children were offered the opportunity to grow to develop. There was no streamlining. There was no, I suppose, control for want of a better word. There was, and this is there is a misconception here. There was freedom within well-defined boundaries. The boundaries were, the, I suppose, a culture that actually allowed for a child to a feel a sense of connection to the world, um, have or gain a sense of perspective through being able to see the bigger picture, and through the interactions, understand their part in all of that, and by doing that, I suppose, have any, not only a sense of awe and and wonder, but a sense of gratitude for the fact that, that they, A, are part of this, but, B, had a fundamental role to play. So those things, I think, are the, are the foundation, that culture is the foundation for them, or as a, it's a springboard, I suppose. It's a springboard for them to go, you know, it's endless potential. You talk about the environment a
1: lot, and and I want to get into that in more detail. But but before I do, what you're saying is that the child is really responsible for their own learning, but within appropriate
0: age boundaries. I mean, can can you go into more detail about what that means? Montessori pedagogy is fundamentally based on observation. Montessori was a doctor; she was, in fact, I believe, the first female to become a doctor in Italy at a time when it was frowned upon. She was a scientist. She Built, I suppose, a pedagogy not only based on on others who were educators and other philosophers and, and and other cultures, but she built it on her own observations. She found or experienced or observed things that that traits in human beings, developmental needs in human beings, that weren't just particular to her culture; they were universal needs. And then went about trying to create what we call a prepared in Montessori a prepared environment. She prepared environments for mixed-age children. And the reason she prepared them for mixed-age children is because development isn't uniform. It happens in ebbs and flows and it's different for every human being. So for those who know a little bit about Montessori, they'll know that it is about, it's is an education system tailored as best as possible to the individual. So, so by creating an environment of mixed-ages where materials were laid out, where children could interact at their own pace, what effectively she was doing is preparing an environment for for children to construct themselves montessori said and i quote growth is not merely a harmonious increase in size but a transformation and that trans- transformation isn't fixed for you brad when you're three or when you're four for every human being is different and the environment allows for that
1: uh, it reminds me so much of a corporate innovation environment in many ways you do the constraints are key to ensuring that creativity is maximised but direction and focus is kept. And, and that sounds to me what you just described.
0: So montessori and I quote, says, discipline must come through liberty. We do not consider an individual disciplined only when he has been rendered as artificially silent, as mute, and as immovable as a paralytic. He is an individual annihilated, not disciplined. And I think you'll agree from our experience remembering back sitting at tables afraid often of the people who are guiding us. You know, that to me is not an environment conducive to someone who's going to blossom and flourish. You know, the concern in that is that the aspirations we strive for are somebody else's. Our identification with who we are becomes, again, extrinsically from somebody else. What I find in my experience day to day is that I'm hoping what we're doing now as, as guides, as parents, as educators, is is allowing a child to essentially as montessori said construct themselves without without um limitation you know so uh, that's for me is 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 in a nutshell and and i i say that very very with great difficulty because the 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 beauty and the depth with which this philosophy goes to is is, is actually immeasurable I've,
1: I found your description there really pertinent, Dimitri, and you look at what it's like inside large corporations even and it's exactly that same system of compliance. You rock up, you've got a manager, sometimes you're scared of that manager, and one of the biggest things that's coming out in the modern workday now through research is that people are scared to speak out at work. Mm. They don't have a voice at work. And so what you're saying is the Montessori system and what you teach here and the environment that you create, it is... It's designed to bring forward creativity, designed to bring forward a voice, but in a constrained, focused direction.
0: Yep, yeah, sure. Let me let me share a story with you. I, a parent came to me probably a couple of years ago to share a story that she experienced walking into a um, a local classroom. It was a primary classroom, and she witnessed a child that she knew had come from a Montessori Cycle One environment, so for children aged three to six. And and her observation to me, she said to me. Um, I found that all the children were doing this activity, and this particular child did something different. He effectively was thinking outside the square and I, I kind of I got goosebumps and I had a little smile and, and I, my interpretation was this child wasn 't thinking outside the square; he was just free to think. there was no square, no circle, no box, there was nothing containing him. You know, He was an individual free to just be and to respond to the stimulus that he was exposed to. That to me, and again, I get goosebumps when I think of it and I'm excited when I think of it because, and let me preface this by saying, I believe a, a good, authentic Montessori environment will offer that, but I also believe there are beautiful teachers out there in all sorts of systems, beautiful parents, beautiful guides out there who also offer the same thing. So it is a matter of us actually realising that this resonates not because it's Montessori, not because it's any other style of education, because it resonates for us as human beings. Yeah, that story gave me goosebumps.
1: I mean, it's just gold. It really, mm. really is in terms of what what it is that the Montessori philosophy is all about. Take us through a day in the life of a Montessori student in the primary school.
0: Okay, sure. Um, so uh, Montessori pedagogy, when you look at Montessori pedagogy, the, the primary age child, the great, I suppose, what we term the great power of the age is the imagination, the capacity to transcend space and time. So these children come into a Montessori environment, they greet the guide, because as you know, in a Montessori environment, we we call the adults guides, directors, facilitators. They greet the guide and they step into the environment that is, I suppose, well-equipped with materials. And the materials Montessori said were, I suppose, keys to the outside world. You can't bring the whole world into a classroom, nor should you, because children need to get out into the world. But you do have keys, things that connect them, bridges, I suppose. So a point of inspiration, a point of you know, the capacity to keep flame, flames alive, where they can take it, run with it, and, and explore with it. So the children will come in, say goodbye to mum and dad, greet the guide, and will go off and choose work. Now, how do they do that? generally it's it's it comes from a number of things our role as a as a guide and it's important to say this because again there are common misconceptions out there our role as a guide is to help i suppose lay things out for a child and help them reflect analyze and and i suppose be able to make um, observations about their own growth you know? so they'll come in we'll help them i suppose balance their day so we will we will look at NESA requirements. We will look at the board of studies. We will look at their requirements because, of course, like every other school, we have to meet those requirements. And we'll talk to children about you know balancing their day and incorporating these things. But also, really importantly, we allow, I suppose, children the opportunity within a, within a three hour work cycle to make choices, and how they make these choices are more often than not you know driven from within. We want a child, particularly in primary where they are sensitive to morals, sensitive to justice sensitive to, to right and wrong, you know. we want them to get that inner voice, that conscience, um, that guide, that inner guide, we want that voice to be heard by the child before it's compromised by the noise that exists in the world around them. Because I believe that that, that analogy you gave of the workplace, that person who's afraid to speak up, is afraid to speak up potentially because of the fear that the voice outside you know, places in them. Whereas, if you have that inner voice, you have that self trust, you have that connection to the world around you, you have a sense of purpose. Then, I think the bottom line is, you know, you realise at the end of the day that if you are, uh, you know, if you are compassionate, if you are loving, if you are dedicated and, and as authentic and as and, and, and have integrity, then you know, what's the what's the worst thing that can actually happen? You'll make a mistake. You know, And that's okay. I mean, Montessori spoke about having friendly attitude to error. You know, that's life. Yeah, giving yourself permission to fail, Yeah, which is something that we're
1: conditioned not to. And, and it's one thing that I talk a lot about in my blogs yeah. is that we're so fearful of failure and we're so fearful of the, the negative emotions that come with failing. Yeah. But you're saying that that's encouraged within this environment.
0: Look, what, what's that old adage? You know, he or she who makes no mistakes makes nothing. You know, it's through challenge that we that we grow. I mean, I always say now to parents that a challenge is nothing but a gift that we haven't unwrapped yet. You know, and it's when you do unwrap it. It's through hardship. You know, I, I think often you know I, I I love speaking about these things. It, it's nourishing and, and I feel passionate about it. But you know, I don't also I, I don't see it through rose-colored glasses. You know, growth and 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 learning comes with hardship, comes with adversity, comes with all those things. But it's the capacity in an environment for children to, I suppose, the term I'd use is is to have experiential wisdom, to experience a situation, reflect upon the situation, even if the situation is something that they don't feel good about, but be able to take away the lesson and grow from that. That, to me, is the key of what a primary, not only a primary monster environment, a pre-primary Montserrat Montserrat environment is about. So um, what is it that Khalil Gibran said in The Prophet? That work is love made visible, you know, when you walk into any environment, you see somebody working, and not workers in nine to five, you know, five days a week, eight hours a day, but expending energy, creating. That is the the true expression of of life. Oh, I
1: love that whole philosophy of work and and the yeah. way that you phrase it. It, it you know work is creativity it's not something that we do it's not something that we rock up and we slog ourselves out over eight hours go home and switch off work is fundamentally
0: how we're wired as human beings look from the moment we are look i I mean we'll potentially go to preconception but from the moment we are conceived the organism works to create themselves, hence Montessori saying that everything we do in the aid of self construction is work, and that doesn't ever stop. You know when it stops <laughs> it is is at that point of end, you know, physical end. So you know, work is is an essential. As a matter of fact, Montessori, through her pedagogy, found that there were innate human tendencies to move to you know language, but but work was was also an innate human tendency. So,
1: One of the things I've noticed as I've I've moved around the school and and seen the students interact is that they take complete ownership of the environment, everything from making sure that the toilets are kept tidy and clean, the washing up is done in the kitchen, things are put away properly, the yard is attended to and kept clean. There is a real sense of ownership of the community.
0: I take it that's by design. Most definitely. When you uh, mentioned earlier that... Montessori began in um, a challenged area in Italy, in in Sanremo, Um, what Montessori was essentially trying to create for those young children was a home away from home. Children at that time in that area, parents went off to work and they were kind of roaming the neighbourhood and she she was charged with bringing them into an environment and what she realizes is that these children, the young children, are very much a child of the home very home oriented. What she also found is that these children actually wanted to, were driven to do what they saw mum and dad do, what they saw people in society do, at a time when they were perceived to be probably young, too young and too incapable of doing those things. Now, Brad, I've sat and observed, and you I'm sure have too with me, um, a three to six-year-old environment where a child will go to the fridge, get a snack because they feel hungry, set the table eat at the table, finish, clean up, wash their plate, put it away and go back to work. You know, what it says to me is that it very much is, by design, it is a home away from home. As a matter of fact, she termed that first cycle environment a casa de bambini, a house for children. Now, and, and you'll notice that when you walk in by the size of the furniture and everything else, but the other environments are no different. All she does is alter them to suit the developmental needs of the child at that age. So what I mean by that is in the primary environment, they become very socially sensitive. So going out is a huge part of, a, I'm sorry, primary environment. Going out into the community, into society, reinforcing that, you know, the, you know society's beliefs. Are they consistent with home, you know, etc.
1: One thing I've noticed is, is that the kids within the school are very comfortable and very confident around adults, mm-hmm. and I love that whole environment where the children greet adults as peers, not as authority figures. And I, yeah. I see that as being so important to the children being part of the community and not shoved over to the side as these developing organisms yeah. that we need to,
0: you know, craft in our own image. I love that idea, and I, and I, I hundred percent agree. You know, a child, a human being, must see. Appear as any anybody or anything that can offer them nourishment, insight, the capacity to grow. You know, the the, the and look, I've come across this in schools, but the fear is that you know, if you're a an eight-year-old boy, brother that your friends should be all the other eight-year-old boys. You know, in life, if you go with your parents on a bus to, to, to the beach and you sit on the bench with uh, you know an eight-year-old fellow who's a grandfather, you know. I'm not saying you're going to go home and and play and, you know, but he has the capacity to offer you some insight, a semblance of, uh, you know, or some experience that is, that you wouldn't otherwise get. So rather than a child being conditioned to, to, I suppose, limit, you know, their potential, you know, it, it opens that door and says, you know, you can potentially learn, you know, obviously within safe parameters, but you can potentially learn from many, many things you know, not just a select few things, not just the textbook you have on your desk, you know, it's anybody. So, you know, I, I agree. Your peers are people not even currently alive, you know, you know the, the lessons you can learn from, from, you know, the Montessori celebrates every citizen that has gone before us for their contribution. Isn't it amazing to think that if every citizen is celebrated, then you as an individual also have the capacity to be celebrated therefore you can be connected to the world around you and you then have something to contribute that's inspiring
1: that would make such a difference in the world turning our attention to innovation the skills associated with developing the innovation mindset as well as understanding the process of innovation you know we all should be equipping ourselves with these skills given the amount of disruption i mean You know, you hear statistics like in the next 30 years, 50% of the workforce is going to be freelance. You're going to have to be able to innovate to get above the noise in order just to earn an income in the future. Why do you think the Montessori education equips kids so well to think in a way where they embrace innovation and they embrace this fear and they embrace failure? We've talked about the environment, but from a skills perspective, what is it about the education system that
0: equips them so well with those skills? You know what, Brad? I suppose what comes to mind is those skills are there. We just don't get in the way of them. You know, my fundamental belief, and I say this often to to parents, is that our job is not to empower human beings; it's to not disempower them. And I suppose Montessori said said something very similar when she talked about every human being has a fundamental goal, you know, in life, a purpose. And our job as parents, as educators, as guides, is to, as the word says, is to guide them on that path. But in an attempt not to to project, to condition, to derail, you know. So I suppose the greatest thing touching on what we spoke about earlier, is that the Montessori pedagogy, the Montessori method, the system, what it actually does is it supports what is innately already there. And I think that's why it resonates so deeply, because it, it, it's, it already exists. So it's, it is just you know, supportive of what exists already. That's why I think it, it actually fundamentally works. I really love that. It, it reminds me of a story that you
1: shared with me uh, of what happened in the playground this year. And getting out of the way is so important because I completely agree with you that innately we are all innovators. We, we are born with that inherent trait. It's wired into us, but we're conditioned out of it. Mm. And the role of your teachers here is to get out of the way and go, On a daily journey with the students and i love that story you shared with me about that afternoon in the playground where the kids spent the afternoon you know just playing can can you share
0: that story with us brad i can share that one and another one that that is really pertinent to this because nowadays there are you know common buzzwords innovation being one of them authenticity mindfulness all these kinds of things and and you know this experience you talked about was was phenomenal we had a group of children in in the outdoor environment who had a, a log. It was a large log. I mean, it took three of them to lift it. And spontaneously, they wanted to have it stand vertically. <laughs> and they had to, to, to workshop how they were going to do that. And they decided they'd dig a hole. And the hole that was 10, centimetre, 10 centimetres deep was clearly not going to be enough to, to, to have this pole be erect. So they dug and they dug and they dug. They dug to the point where they could actually stand it in the hole. Yet it was leaning over. So then they workshopped this um, this problem, looked around, and this we had just moved in here. So the playground had, you know, I suppose from a a modern materialistic eye, had nothing in it. From a in, from an inventor's eye, it was full of potential. So they went, they collected stones, large stones, and they put them in this hole. And propped this this um, post vertically. They then went on to decide that they wanted to create a crane. So they got a rake and attached it. Um, they attached it onto the top of this of this branch because there was a fork in the branch. But they found that it was was not stable. So they then used stones to counterlever and create create their um, their crane. The the process for you and I, based on our conditioning in terms of our understanding of education, was what are these guys doing? They're just playing. The lessons in that were not only mathematics, were not geometry. The language, the communication involved, the science involved, it was phenomenal. So it's not about about us actually teaching them. It's about us realising how much they're learning all the time through their interaction with the environment. Montessori said... That children develop themselves through their relationship, through their relationship, through their interactions with the environment, and that was a perfect example of that. You know, they are when we stop and we observe, they are our best teachers. And to to, if you don't mind, if I can come on with one more story. Absolutely, I'd love to hear uh, it. I often, I often look for years for those who have heard, you know, or have spoken to me. I've, I've relayed this story many, many a time, and it is a story about my son. Um, and And the lesson he taught me years and years ago, he was sitting there as as a, a seven year old boy you know or, or child you know may do playing very very you know really focused on what he was doing, um, so much so that I looked at him and I felt as we do for our children felt an immense immense love and I took that moment to tell him you know, and, I, and, I, and I told him I loved him, and he didn't even look at me and he just said, "I love you too, papa I call it, he calls me papa," and he kept on playing, and I thought, this is a great moment because at the, at that time we' are having a few little challenges with. He was a passionate individual and he, he, you know, he was, when he couldn't express himself, he'd lash out a little bit and we were never kind of, you know, we we weren't that, we weren't a physical kind of family like that, but it was, it was challenging us. Um, and I, I took that moment and I said to him, um, I said, Aaron, you know, when you're feeling annoyed, I'd really love it if you could, if you could talk to us because I'm, you know, finding it a little bit challenging when you, when you're getting angry. And, um, And he took it on board. He nodded. He didn't look at me. He just nodded. And I said, is there anything you want to say to me? And he paused for a moment again, not even looking at me. And he said, yes, Papa, just be more sure. (laughs) (laughs) And what I take away from that is he's saying to us innately that if we trust in who we are, if we trust in our journey, if we trust in our path, you know, we are their guides. You know, they look to us for that. So if we can if we are honest, if we are trying to do the best we can, if we can be sure, then essentially we're being the best possible guides we can be. So that's a phenomenal story. And and I'm sure you probably have
1: dozens of stories like that because you live and breathe this every day. Before we just start wrapping this up, I I do want to talk about the competition that's inherent within today's education system. There is such a big emphasis for competition, standardised testing being one. And and just as a side note, I noticed that New Zealand announced yesterday that they're scrapping standardised testing, which I think is just phenomenal. What does competition do to children? You know, you see parents these days, and I've read reports that parents are getting tutors for their children yeah. pre-primary school. Yeah. Competition oh, is rife wow. in this world, but it's also destroying the very nature of who we are. You know,
0: what what does that overly competitive environment do to children? Look, not only are children you know, receiving tutors, but children are suffering from anxiety at the age of seven, eight, nine. You know, that's phenomenal. Look, it's interesting, this notion of competition in Montessori comes up because for those who don't know, Montessori was was an advocate for an environment that wasn't, I suppose, riddled with, with competition, nor with homework and things like that. She believed that children at home had work to do, be in the garden, relate to family and friends. But on that note of competition, I've got to be, I suppose I've got to be mindful the way I express this because I do believe we can dig deeper and look at it a little philosophically and I do believe there is what I would perceive to be constructive competition and i'll get back to that in a moment i would rather us live in an environment that we that the question that you'd be asking me is what can we gain out of collaboration i believe fundamentally collaboration is far more valuable in my mind than competition you know the moment you line two people up side by side with a finish line you know 100 meters away that race is never fair because those two people are never the same the beauty of the idea of competition is that i could be inspired by what you by what you achieve my goal i believe is not essentially to beat you but to be inspired to do the best i can i'd love that to be the premise of what competition offered but to me that i would i would much rather label that as collaborating you're gaining from what another can achieve because what if i propose this to you that i raced you and you beat me and I aspired to beat you and I did that and I stopped, whereas my potential could be beyond that. The contribution I could make to society, to myself, could be beyond that. So I'm just thinking, you know, as I said, I'm always pro-collaboration, you know, as opposed to straight up competition. I think competition also,
1: like innovation, is one of those things that's inherently wired into us for that reason you expressed. To call us forward to become so much greater than what we are, not to beat you know, the living daylights out of someone, and and prove to yourself that you're better than everyone else. Yeah. And I think
0: you've just encapsulated that in in those comments. One thing I'll, I'll just jump back to is a Montessori environment is very much a, a community. It's, we talk about it as a classroom family. For the f- f- sheer fact that you know, when we look at the people sitting around us as a classroom family, not as competition, and the mixed ages and the and the materials in the environment really support that because. By children choosing daily to to engage in different things we 're not all doing the same task we not, we 're not all competing to achieve an end what we 're actually doing I'm, I'm, I feel is really collaborating when you sit within a classroom family and you start to realize that i 'm part of this family, and for me to beat someone for me to hurt someone for me for someone in our environment to not be functioning as well as possible, then we are all inherently suffering we 're not all you know, we're not all firing on all cylinders, we're not all achieving the best we can because yes, we're we are fundamentally unique individuals that have immense potential, but we are also inextricably linked. You know, we're all part of the tapestry of existence. You know, we're all one thread but part of the great thread. So I think that for me is is one of the biggest metaphors I love using is the tapestry, is we are interconnected. So collaboration, working together so that we all can achieve and realize our potential. Is beneficial to everybody
1: that also extends into the home and mm-hmm. you know this education doesn't stop in the classroom it involves a community involves parents i grew up in a household of compliance as i'm sure most people of, of my generation did and your generation and even my wife's generation which is the gen y generation but it is slowly changing you give a child a voice you give a child permission to explore you give a child boundaries it's not no longer just about what happens in the classroom it happens at home as well so it can be challenging for a parent can can you just go into that a little bit as some of the challenges that parents face at home who are trying to break out of this you know compliance mentality that we've been
0: conditioned into Sure. but firstly i think no matter which generation you're from parents face challenges it's a reality um, but to, to speak specifically about the challenges we face now, um, I think you're right. We do. I mean, I love giving the analogy of us. You know, we build we build a stage and we tell our children to dance their dance, to to think their thoughts and to feel their feelings. It's us that's often not prepared for what those thoughts and feelings are going to be. But I think you know, so that we we also have an environment where, or, or, you know, or I suppose a world where people own their decisions. Um, I think it's really important that we can allow or give our children the opportunity to feel, to think, which is fundamental. But the, the, the other side of that are the boundaries you've spoken about. And for me, one of the things I, I do love speaking to parents about is is that topic about boundaries, is how do we set these boundaries? How do we ensure that we, we do create an environment where a child can remain empowered? But it's a very fine line between remaining empowered and becoming, I suppose, narcissistic. It's a fine line between that child thinking that it's all about them all the time. And look, for them, for every human being, in essence it is because that's what you see. But as as parents, I think it's fundamental to do the best we can to to have an environment that if children are going to make choices, that we also, again, within safe parameters, allow them to have or experience natural consequences. The biggest, I feel, the biggest... um, challenge that we face is is if a child makes a choice and it's a choice that in that moment in time they feel angry about sad about hurt about and we go in and fix it for them then i feel what we're going to do is circumvent the system and the system what i mean by the system is they're making a choice and understanding and owning the, the the you know the outcomes of that choice and obviously as I said earlier I don't mean when they're when they're in danger but what I'm proposing is that we let children know in no uncertain terms with clarity and consistency that we are here for you but you are, you do also need to be responsible for the choices that you make so natural consequences like all schools Dimitri you've been audited by the
1: Department of Education now called NESA for those people who don't know on your curriculum what views have, have the NESA auditors expressed about the, the environment that you have here? And
0: but you know, for, for, for the NESA um, inspectors, I find it no, probably no different to a, a parent new to Montessori or a parent who's been at Montessori, an educator who's not familiar with Montessori. The, 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 that fundamental moment is the moment I believe they come into the environment and actually see a Montessori prepared environment in action, you see this microcosm of the world where some children are 100% engaged. Some are socialising. Some are at that point in life where we've all experienced where they're working out what's next. Some are, you know, cleaning as you as you mentioned earlier uh, and maintaining their environment. It is it, look, it's a, it, to me when I observe, it's a true reflection of our society. It's and I believe. I believe on some level, I mean, I can't speak for them, but I believe on some level, you know, even Nessa, when they come into the environment, they see um, or experience that on, on a level. So, There's probably listeners out there now who are going, you know, I wish I could
1: send my child to a Montessori school, but for whatever reason, it could be cost, yeah. it could be that it just isn't one close by, they can't. Mm-hmm. But they really want to instill this philosophy at home. They really want their kids to sort of be surrounded by this philosophy. What would what would you say to those parents? How could they incorporate this philosophy into
0: their lives while their children are in a mainstream school? Eighty-six to ninety-two percent of a child's personality is formed by the age of three. What that says to us is that home is is key. You know, in utero is the first environment a child's ever going to be in. Then the home, then a schooling environment. What I would I suppose say to parents is that if you look at your journey, if you if you commit to reflection, analysis, if you commit to doing the best you can possibly do in the circumstances you're in, then your journey has begun. You know whether you're attending Montessori or not. If you can, um, that's lovely. A lot of people travel, uh, uh, you know, travel to get to Montessori schools. But I've got to say to you, as I said earlier, you know, beautiful things I believe can happen anywhere. There are good parents out there. There are good guys. There are good teachers. There are good mentors. Um, I think it's something that comes from within. And the only way I think we can get in touch with that is to look within. You know, once we start to search for that voice we talked about, that one that comes from within, and we start to listen to that, I believe our pathway towards, you know, this, I suppose, this world of, of, collaboration of peace of innovation you know uh, you know that's where i believe it actually begins it begins within every human being
1: we're talking specifically about montessori because we're in a montessori school today but i mean really
0: this is life a hundred percent it is life and that i believe was montessori's goal is to create an environment as einstein so clearly says in which people can learn. And that learning and that work doesn't ever stop. It happens through our waking moments, through our sleep, through our young years, through our old years. We are learning all the time, just like we're living (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Dimitri, I could talk to you for hours and, and there's so, so much more
1: ground I want to cover. You know, I, I, I really want to get into it with you at some point in the future around, you know, high school age children, because so I think well. once again, there's a whole philosophy around that, which goal. <laughs> is completely different. Yeah. Before we go today, I mean,
0: what is the vision for Montessori education on the Central Coast? Okay, so first and foremost, you know, we'd like to offer... Um, another choice in education on the Central Coast you know there are choices out there I'm sure for many people there are lovely choices we'd like to offer another choice and we'd like to offer that choice in the future from zero right up to the end of high school and not only to the end of high school I'd like to think that at some point we can look at when when people have finished the notion of high school and going into that area of life where you're preparing yourself to take on that role of, of having children of going into the workforce, that we are also engaged with, with those people you know, from their early years right up to their, to their kind of older, more experienced years to, I suppose, complete that cycle because essentially we live in a world where we have people of all ages, you know, sexes, descriptions, beliefs, you know, the community, I believe, should be a reflection of that. So that would be the goal. We'll try the best we can to to get to that. Well, I wish you the
1: best in that, thank Dimitri, you. and and I think that you know the Central Coast will benefit greatly from, from having this style of education so prominent in the environment up here. Dimitri, it's been a real honour having you on the show. I've really enjoyed talking about this. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours about yeah. this.
0: Would love to have you back on the show down the track. Thanks, Brad. I, I actually want to thank you. Because you know the, I think it was one of the early or first moments we met. You brought up this notion of innovation. And I think I, I spoke about it earlier. It really has, you know, got me thinking. It's the, it's a, you know, you've offered me another piece of, of the puzzle. You've, you've, I suppose, unveiled another thread in the tapestry for me of existence. So thank you very much, Dimitri Nikola, founder and director of the Central Coast Montessori Primary School. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Greg.